still don't believe what I witnessed. I'm so jacked up right now. I still do not believe. We're 12 hours removed and I'm still jacked up. Oh my God. It's Let's Go Duffalo, the Odyssey Yeah, it is. Podcast. My name is Pat Duffy. Sit across me, Ryan Duffy. Woo! Okay, so we're, we're going to set the scene for you where we are right now. Yes. We are in my home studio. Yes, we are. It is 1020 the next morning. Yeah, it is. We're taping this on Sunday. And okay, I, what time did you go to bed last night? Uh, the witching hour. Okay. Two o'clock. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I was I was, I was, was up till three o'clock just based on pure adrenaline from yeah. that game yesterday. Could not calm down. Still can't calm down. I mean, your Buffalo Bills get what might have been the best win of the McDermott era in Orchard Park Saturday night. Arguably. Yeah. As far as like the importance of it, I still like, I'm always going to remember the uh, wi- super wild card weekend last season, sure. the 2021 season yeah. of, uh, you know, the absolute smothering of the Patriots. Well, I mean, it's a good, that's a good win for a different of, reason. Of course. Like, don't get me wrong. I just, I like, I, I think arguably at home, all of the elements, everything like encompassing around that game and obviously how it turned out defining game for the for our Buffalo Bills. I, I agree with you. 32-29 the final, but you already knew that because you're listening to a Buffalo Bills podcast. Yeah, you podcast. did. You right. know the score. I mean, I think you can make the arguments. Maybe take the playoff games out of it because it's on a different level. That's yeah. the regular season win of a decade. Yeah. I can't think. I'm trying. I was racking my brain last night, this morning, which, what game has meant more in the regular season? And maybe you can make an argument for the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, where, I was, that's that's one I was I was just going to bring up in my head. But even there, I mean, it's not a rivalry game. You're playing a backup quarterback in Duck Hodges. Duck Hodges. What right? happened to him? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Not, not, Remember when people were like, Duck Hodges is just as good as Josh Allen. Better than Josh right. Allen. But and even there, like, you know, you locked up a playoff spot, but you still have three weeks to go, right? There was a, there was a safety that there like I mean last night meant so much when it came to the division with now three games to go when it came to what happened earlier in the season with the Bills and the Dolphins the way the Dolphins fans had just decided the division was theirs you know to a MVP talk and Mm -hmm. the Bills are fading and oh my god everything about it was amazing yeah it turned out really good um, this is hindsight, Ryan. This is future Ryan talking right now. In the moment, I didn't feel so great about it. There were some ups and downs, and and you know you have to kind of think back to the overall experience and how it worked out. It's like yeah, this is the greatest night of my life. But whilst going through it, it was uh, it was a bit challenging at times. Okay, so let's get into the actual game. There are three things about this game from Saturday night that stuck out to me. Name them. Okay, one. The Bills came out ready to play ball. Yeah, they did. Like, on the first half, the offense was on point, out minus that opening drive. Three and out. Yeah, okay. But after <laughs> that... Did, but, but punt. Yeah, yeah they didn't yeah, go three yeah. and out. I mean, they were winning knowing the Dolphins were going to attack defensively their most valuable players. And you saw it in the way that they scored points. <laughs> Quentin Morris opens the game with his first ever touchdown catch. You want to talk about faith in a guy that you don't know, man. You know what's, what's so funny? I talk about my wife on this podcast a lot. We're sitting on the couch watching the game, and Quentin Morris scores his touchdown pass. And his only touchdown pass as a Buffalo Bill, right? Uh, I think it's his first touchdown catch ever. It, okay. Um, and and I hear her say 85. Huh? And I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, that's 
wait a minute, 85. Charles Clay showed up. <laughs> right. None of us knew who it was. I had to wait until like someone said Quentin Morris. I was like, oh yeah, Quentin Morris. What's even more crazy is Tommy Doyle was a healthy scratch last night. Yeah. Not, yeah. No, not Tommy Doyle. Um, uh, Tommy Sweeney. Tommy I'm sorry. Sweeney. Yep, yeah. So you went with two healthy tight ends and both of them caught touchdown passes last yeah. night. But I mean, Quentin Morris, Naeem Hines gets his first touchdown catch as a Buffalo Bill. Dawson Knox, who hasn't been t- catching touchdowns the way that he was last season, yep. gets one. And James Cook gets the one right before halftime, which we'll touch on in a Sec, don't sure. get ahead of me. Yep. But Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Devin Singletary. I mean, those are the guys that have been putting points on the board for you. Josh Allen taking it himself, and the Dolphins were there to try and take that away. And Josh Allen taking it himself, you running over that sentence was like the biggest gloss over in the history of gloss over. Well, I'm saying into the end zone. I know. Okay, I know. great. Thank you. <laughs> no, but the point I'm making is when the, the Bills' red zone offense had stalled because, and after last night, I think the exclamation point is on this. They were looking for their guys in the red zone. Yeah. They wanted their play, playmakers to make a play in the red zone. And let's face it, man. Like, if you take those playmakers out of the game, if you do enough, you can take Stefan Diggs out. You, yeah. You, you know, you bracket and double him, right? They went with the guys that nobody knows. Mm-hmm. You know, you had single coverage on every single touchdown catch last night because it was Quentin Morris. And Naeem, Naeem Hines had no coverage. There was zero yeah. coverage on Naeem Hines. Yep. All right. Let's talk about the James Cook Touchdown before halftime for a Okay, second. yes. It was the full Josh Allen experience. Yeah. Now, let's reset the scene. Yep. Eight seconds left in the half. Mm-hmm. You're inside the 10. Mm-hmm. You're thinking to yourself, you're getting three points no matter what. As long as Josh does not turn this ball over, which he right. has not been doing the last couple of weeks, right. we're walking away with three points. They were out of timeouts at that point, Completely, right? Well, uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. No, they had one timeout left. They did. We're going to use that to kick the field goal. Okay. I was going to say, yeah. No, you're right. Because like, I, I was also going to say you can't take a sack. But I guess worst case scenario, if you have your timeout, you could take a sack. You could have run the ball. You could have run a draw. For sure. For I sure. thought they were going to boot. Play action, boot Josh outside. And look, the average NFL play takes four seconds. Mm. So there's no way you're going to run out of time before this half is over. Not a chance. And Josh proceeds to run out of time before the half is over. He still had the ball in his hand when it hit zero. Uh, Yeah, triple zeros. um, What's funny, too, is like I feel like either he... I, I don't know what it's like to be under pressure with 300 pound men like barreling down at you. I, but, but from my vision, he takes the snap, he's scanning, you know, he's looking for, he's going through his reads. Sure. And, and he's obviously taking a little too long. And then I think with like two seconds left, he realized like his internal monologue as I like deciphered it was, Oh my God, I got to get rid of this ball. Wait a minute. If I throw this ball, the time's going to be gone. I got to make a play. And like, you see him kind of just like buy time. Right. And, and what happens after that? I'm going to let Josh Allen describe what happened after that. This is Josh Allen uh, in his press conference talking about the play after the game. Yeah. It's either a really good play or a really stupid play. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thankful. He, he came back to the ball and, and made a play on it. I, uh, I threw it, and in my head, I'm just like, I, I know I wasted too much time. I know there's zero seconds on the clock, and I just kind of slid on the ground, and I just, you know, laid there and waited for cheers. And uh, thank God, cheers came, because uh, got to have points before the half. Um, you know, shouldn't have put myself in that situation, but again, found a way to make plays. I love that man. I love him, too. I love him so much. <laughs> I love that man so much. What's you, it, hold on real quick. Yeah. You only love him because James Cook caught the touchdown because if he didn't no, catch the touchdown. No, I'll clarify. I love him <laughs> because of of how much of a realist I, I, he is. You know what I mean? Like, 
and and how much we kind of get that insight. Now, granted, if it didn't work out, we're probably not going to get the same level of insight. Maybe. I don't know. Josh is pretty transparent. But for him to kind of break it down like that and kind of validate everything I was just saying, yeah. um, it's uh, it's it's validating, I guess. Is that play, the the rollout to the right under two minutes, two-minute drive in the red zone going into halftime and making an absolutely miraculous play because we've seen it mm-hmm. two out of the last three weeks? Yeah. Is that a patented Josh Allen move at this point? I mean, it seems like it's in the playbook. Now, I'm not, I don't mean to do, get too deep into this, but I don't know what hash they were on. Because if you're on the left hash, the far side of the field, mm-hmm. it gives you 40, 35 yards of, to, uh, yeah, of real yeah. estate to move till somebody gets open. And yeah. it also gives Josh Allen the option to run. So, I mean, all he has to do is take one step forward, draw one of those defensive backs towards him, and you got another three feet of space. He did it with Gabe Davis two weeks ago. He did it with James Cook last night, Saturday night. I... I mean, it works. Yeah. It has worked. Yep. The, I love it. <laughs> the ultimate irony on that play, because every Bills fan was screaming at him to throw it away. Mm-hmm. Throw it away, get the three, throw it away, throw it away. We'll get 10 points on the double dip was the idea, right? Yeah. Get the ball back after halftime. Yeah. The ultimate irony, those four points that Josh managed to pick up, the difference between the touchdown and the field goal, mm-hmm. running and doing something very stupid mm-hmm. was the difference in that game. Yeah. Yeah. If you settle for a field goal there, you totally change the makeup of the second half. And you may not win that game. That insane, stupid, amazing, beautiful play might have won the Bills the game. You are right. However, I think it's important to note that, like, there were tons of plays that could have happened, like especially from the Dolphins' perspective. Who dropped that pass? Was it Waddle who dropped that that touchdown pass in the end zone? Fourteen. I don't know who it was. Yeah. Like um, there were tons of of missed opportunities on the Dolphins side, and I don't want to get too much into the Dolphins yet. Oh, we'll get into it. Okay, but but I'm saying like uh, y- I understand your point, but it's tough to go down that yes, road. I get it, but I'm saying like I mean when it comes to plays that equal points, you're right. That touchdown drop was a big one, but uh, I mean it's four points. It's yeah. four points oh, in a game. Sure. You won yeah. by three. Definitely. The second thing that stands out in that game yesterday, mm-hmm. the Bills got punched in the mouth. In that second half. Right in the chompers. And did not back down. No. That three and out coming out of halftime changed everything of that game. Because if you go and score a touchdown there again, it's foot on the gas. The game's over. Yeah. I mean, you're going to take You're taking control. The Dolphins have to get more desperate and the game is completely over. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins D gets a stop and that game starts to slip away. And to compound the problems, center Mitch Morris goes out with a concussion, mm. which is a massive problem. Forget the football part. This is his sixth concussion is it really yes it's second this season uh it's bad i mean Yikes. it's not good for mitch moore so no. obviously hopefully everything's okay with him yeah but going back to the football side of it sure. it puts your o-line in shambles mm-hmm. they, i mean you saw it man it was a disaster for three or four drives in the third into the fourth quarter my the, uh, out loud at one point i remember saying why is greg van rotten pl- roten playing so center that pissed me <laughs> off right because i'm like why what they didn't mention anything about morse coming out of the game until the second drive that morse was out of the game yeah like give me a little something it's it's almost as if like on the like like because like everyone saw it like they did that that behind the the pocket shot yeah of of josh lining up under center and it wasn't 60 and I'm like, why is Greg Van Rotten playing center right now? Like, is Morse, like, on the side? Like, what happened? And then at that point, it's like they realize, like, oh, we should probably let people know that Mitch Morse is questionable to return. All right, so the Bills, the, the point I'm making is, between the three and out, down goes Mitch Morse, everything's a problem. The Bills had every excuse to fold it in and go home last night. And totally. I know that Bills fans, the majority of Bills fans that have been there for a while, started to feel like just tonight's not their night. It's just one of those nights where it's not going to work. I stress ate about half a bag of Pirate's Booty 
at that point. I was, I was, I was working through it at that point. And if you go down the roster of what helped them maintain, look, Josh is getting all the praise from last from Saturday night, and he deserves it. He deserves it. But Bills nickel corner Teron Johnson is the co MVP of that game. Hmm. He makes two massive plays on third down in two separate drives, including one that midfield, right after the midfield Josh fumble, mm-hmm. it's the difference between a touchdown and a field goal. You're right on the edge of field goal range there in the 30. It was right before the Dolphins field goal. I think it was Gusecki caught a ball, and it was just him and Teron Johnson, yes. and he made a play. Mm-hmm. There was a pass breakup on the drive before that on a third down where he made a play. And what's amazing about Teron Johnson, and I can't explain this, so maybe mm-hmm. you can. Go. He only makes the biggest plays in the biggest games on national television. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time situations. You had the 106-yard house call against the Ravens in the playoffs two seasons ago. Count it. You have the interception of Patrick Mahomes this season on the road to seal the win. Count that also. You have those plays he made last night. It's like as soon as the national television cameras come on and the Bills are in trouble, Teron Johnson, of all of the people on the roster, is going to make a play for you. And I can't explain it. Love him. Thoughts? I think you're right. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Like, I, I, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Bills fan. I know the 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 depth chart as well as any huge Bills fan. Taron Johnson doesn't normally stand out to me. You know what I mean? I'm thinking you're of right. I'm thinking of Jordan Poyer. I'm thinking of Trey White. I'm thinking of of Milano at Edmonds. I'm thinking of the the interior D line. Mm-hmm. Taron Johnson, Cam Lewis, uh, you know, uh, uh, Demar want, Hamlin. I don't, I don't want to talk about Cam Lewis. Yeah, well, yeah, seriously. <laughs> but but like, okay, so take Cam Lewis out. Demar Hamlin, uh, you know, uh, Taron Johnson, um, even the even Benford and well, obviously wasn't playing, but yeah. but Elam also. It's like these guys don't. They're not household names to me during regular games. But you're right. They, but Taron Johnson specifically continues to make big time plays when they're absolutely needed you know and yeah. sometimes when like obviously the the 100 you know or the the house call and the against the ravens like you always need that at any time like good on you but like i didn't know that we needed that play that he made last night on Gasecki, yeah that open field tackle like until it was at like in hindsight like that's a game saving play you didn't know it immediately i mean that's that's the difference that's four points he saved him four points well yeah but but that's still in the third quarter right like uh, no i think it was fourth was but i could be wrong okay i mean i could be wrong too i don't know whole night's a blur yeah it was insane but getting past that, I mean, the offense had nothing going for it in the second half. They managed two scoring drives the last two times they touched the ball. Mm-hmm. Down the stretch, the Bills made plays. The plays the Bills made and the plays the Dolphins didn't. Yeah, It's the difference between teams that can go deep in the playoffs and teams whose stats look good on paper. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know what you're like, saying. When the chips are down and you need a play, there is the difference. And the third thing that stands out, it goes along with what I just finished up there. Mm-hmm. McDermott and Dorsey outcoached that brilliant Miami staff that we've been hearing about for the last two months. (laughs) And I know there are Bills fans that are upset with Dorsey last night, the way that things went in the third quarter. And I want something to consider. Sure. The game shifted offensively when Morris left that game like we talked about. Yeah. It changes everything you can do on offense. And Dorsey, instead of trying to get cute and crazy like Mike McDaniel and his offensive coordinator did yesterday, last night, Saturday night, Dorsey just hit the break glass in case of emergency run Josh Allen button. It's funny how, like, yeah, it's that's the best way of putting it. Like, it is literally like the break glass in case of emergency game plan. Yeah. And it's, and it's such a, like, what a luxury. 
as a Bills fan to have that in your arsenal, as a Bills offensive coordinator to have that in your arsenal, you know? Like, obviously, you don't want to be too reliant on it, but but to know that, like, what did they have? Like, seven, like 57 yard rushing yards up to that point, and they had, like, 60 and change from just from Josh in that one drive. Yeah. Like, it's it's absurd. You know, that's got to be so frustrating from an opponent perspective. 100%. But, I mean, credit to Dorsey. I think it also shows humility because, like, there are a lot of offensive coordinators that have huge egos. And they want to go out and win the game, but they want to go out and win the game they want to win the, the, the way they want to play it. To that point, why are you smiling at me? Uh, because I'm, I'm picturing, um, you know, at the start of that drive. Because at that point, you're down by eight, right? Yes. Yeah. So, like, I can just picture, like, Dorsey talking into the mic and Josh Allen's ear and be like, I don't know, man. You do it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just go. <laughs> just play. I don't care anymore. Like, he's in the bathroom or something. <laughs> he's going to get a honey stinger. And Josh is just like, all right, man, I got this. I think the personalities of the coaching staffs for each team were on full display last night because yeah. Dorsey says, forget it. We're just going to go win the game by whatever means necessary. Whereas McDaniel on the Miami sideline did the opposite. Mm. The Dolphins were getting eight yards of carry on the ground at one point. Dude, Mostert, in the, what was it, in the third quarter, I saw the little thing come up where it said he was averaging nine and a half yes. a clip at that point. Yes. Nine and a half yards average per carry. You're crazy. You're crazy. They kept putting the ball into his hands. They insisted on putting the ball into his hands, which was very strange. And it's not like Tua was horrible last night, but the Bills could not stop the run. Yeah. And for whatever reason, McDaniel was still using it. You're getting seven, eight, nine yards a clip, and you're still using the run to set up the pass. So here's the thing, though. I... Uh, the execution oh. of it... No, hang on. I'm just trying to gather my thoughts. I understand... The idea of establishing the run to open up the pass. You saw it last night with Josh after the third quarter. Yes. You have to now honor Josh in the run game, yes. and that opens things up from a passing perspective. It's it's simple math. However, math goes out the door, in my opinion, and strategy, long-term, you know, gridiron strategy goes out the door when it's third and short, when you're averaging nine yards a carry, when you're averaging six yards a carry. Get the first down. Play another day. You know what I mean? Like, in the fact that they... Now, and, and also, I want to point out, too, that Miami, I think, did a good job in the in the overall sense of establishing the run to open up the passing game. You saw a lot of, of over-the-top plays and even just good, you know, good passing offense from the Dolphins at times. But the situational calling of those pass plays in third and short, even third and mid... It's, uh, what are you doing, man? Like go go to the well at that point. I agree with they, you. I mean, we the Bills had not shown that they can stop that. Why continue to to why get away from that? I mean, like I don't know. Like, uh, what do I know? I'm just some idiot. No, I, I mean, there's numbers that back it up. I mean, the difference last night was red zone offense. The Dolphins were one for three inside the twenty. The Bills went four for five, and the only reason they didn't go five for five is because Singletary gave himself up on that last one to kick the game when you feel well. Put a put, put a pin in it. We'll ah, talk about that, please. No, but I mean, you bring up those plays. You're right. You're inside the ten twice. Yeah. You threw the ball four of six times, getting eight yards to carry. The Granted, one of those was was a touchdown. It was a drop touchdown. So what? I mean, there's drops in every game. You have to factor in, and that's the point I'm making, is the risk versus reward of throwing the ball versus running the ball, right? Fair enough. It is low risk, 
medium reward. It's high reward based on what they were getting last night, yeah. whereas the passing is high risk, high reward. And like we bring up the two Teron Johnson plays. We don't say Teron Johnson's name yeah. if Mike McDaniel sticks with the run, which again was getting you seven, eight, nine yards a play. And mm-hmm. the difference, you brought it up perfectly. Josh Allen softens the pass defense for the Dolphins last night by running. The difference with the Bills and Dolphins coaching staff Saturday night The Bills went back to the run on that final drive. Devin Singletary, I think, eclipsed all the yards he had all night long on that final drive. And he was getting four, five, six yards of carry. The Bills stayed with what was working because whatever you give me, we're going to take. And for whatever reason, and I cannot figure it out, this genius coach that Mike McDaniel was, he was going to win the game, but he was going to do it on his terms. And it doesn't make any sense. It's interesting. Like, you know... uh, it could be the hubris at that point. He calls the plays, right? I don't know. I think so. So yeah, because he's walking around with that stupid. He, he, he always. I don't get what that guy's deal, man. Like he's a weird he's, dude. He's interesting. You know what's funny? Like he, I, I kind of, I look at him as as a little endearing. Like he's kind of funny I to me. I, I get you. I can understand. He's a bit polarizing in that sense. But like even the halftime interview that he did with yeah. uh, Pete Schrager, <laughs> like like um, yeah, he's he's uh he's an interesting character. I I don't hate him. Um, but if it's not hubris of like him being like, I'm going to win this on my own terms, I think that like, if anything, it, maybe it's just experience, you know, I could see parallels between, uh, to some degree of the bills three years ago, with the exception of like Tua and Josh, like they're obviously way different players, but just from a coaching perspective, like maybe Mike McDaniel doesn't have the experience yet of like being like, Hey, this is working or, 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 or getting us getting away from the hubris of, of just like, now you have this game as experience of like, Hey, maybe I could have gone a different way and, and it could have worked out better for us. Who knows, man? I I, I don't know. Okay. Look, I, I get where you're coming from. I guess there's two major differences here. One, you don't have a rookie quarterback like McDermott did with Josh Allen. So yeah. you were kind of forced to do what you had to do there. Yeah. Two, I mean, the guy's been in the league for a very long time. I know he's young. That's but true. Like, he's this offensive guru. And that's what's so funny about these offensive gurus that get head coaching jobs. It seems to me that they want to do it their way. Yeah. Like, I'm going to win the way that I know how to win. And they get uncomfortable getting out of any other zone. And I know there's been this debate for years and years and years that when you have offensive weapons, and we'll use the Bills as a perfect example, Mm -hmm. you don't want a defensive head coach because a defensive head coach is not going to help those players take that step forward. But I think last night you saw that the mentality of a defensive head coach is win by any means necessary. Yeah. Defensive coaches are a lot more scrappy and and I think um, arguably adaptive to a to things situation yeah yeah um and also too like i and i think it comes down to having trust in your uh you know offensive staff as a head coach to take the reins you know like like i i don't necessarily i would be curious to know like the the win rate or like whatever the metric would be who knows but like of head coaches who who call plays Versus head coaches who rely entirely yeah. on their OC, you know? I hear you. I'd be curious to know, because, like, the game management from a head coaching perspective has to be so crazy. You saw it with Nathaniel Hackett earlier in the season. You well, see I it mean, all Nathaniel the, Hackett oh, is but, terrible. But my point is that, like, there's a lot more that I think people don't understand. I know that people don't understand that goes into being a head coach. So why would you take the burden of being the, the offensive coordinator and the head coach at the same time, well, be- other than you just being like, I'm going to do it my way. Because that's what Mike McDaniel is known for, right? If you take the play calling out of his hands, right? This, you know, he's this young genius. What, what, what do you need him for? Yeah, fair enough. 
So oh. I, now real quick, because we are going real long on this first segment, but it's worth it because that was such a great Absolutely win on Saturday Absolutely it's worth it. The Bills in that final drive, they're moving the ball wherever they want to, yeah. right? You can the, the game has shifted. The Dolphins are done. They're cold. The snow is there. It's over. This mm-hmm. game is over. That, man. I, Devin Singletary, oh. ball up the middle. 30-something seconds left. He's going to score. It's second down. <laughs> He drops at the four. The Dolphins are going to let him score. 100%. He drops at the four, a yard short of the first down, so the Bills can kick a game-winning field goal in the driving snow. Thoughts on that, Ryan? <laughs> I don't want to bury the lead about, about a segment that you always claim I'm never prepared for because I'm super prepared for Okay, are we going to talk about it there? Um, are we going to talk no, about it there? No, 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 we'll no, no, okay. no, no, we're not. Um, but, I, I mean, one selfless play. I, I, selfless play. Okay. Two, maybe get the first down. You know, three. I think he was concerned about being pushed into the end zone. That's fair. I, I like. Here's the thing. Like, you are well within field goal range to to uh, win the game. Now, granted, like it may be a little bit harder. Ah! For, okay, fine. But it's a tie game at that point. You're not playing for to. to uh, I'm going right, to whisper something real quick. Josh Allen's never won an overtime game. He's zero three. Okay, so. You you are well within field goal range. Tyler Bass has been very successful in, in, in all kinds of yardage, but especially short yardage. Okay, fine, fine, fine. So if you score a touchdown there, the it's very clear that the Dolphins will at least have a chance yeah. to come back fine. and tie the game and potentially win the win game. Win the game, sure. Right. I think that that is a super selfless play because when's the last time he's he's had a, a touchdown? Quick, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, I wonder if that was his call or they told him to do it in the huddle. Could be. Yeah, who no, knows? I'm, I'm genuinely curious because I would love to have seen a camera on McDermott's face when he went down at the four if he was like, yes, or like, what I mean, you live and die by those kinds of decisions. I think that it was a good one because you're taking the ball entirely out of the the Miami offense. In hindsight, you're absolutely right. Fine. And I guess by the book on any other day where it's clear and fine, it's a great call. The Bills fan, the the beaten down, drought, pain Bills fan in me Mm -hmm. was convinced after he did that that the snap was going to be bad. There was going to be a block. Oh, of there course. There was going to be a hold. There was something was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's bad conditions. You know, there's going to be some that's type of slippery I mean, thing. Yeah, yes. you're, but but that's my point, too. It's like, I understand what you're saying. Like, Josh hasn't won an overtime game. I, fair. But, like, also, too, it's like, I think that that's the best situation for you overall. Risk, for, risk reward, in my opinion. Kick it. Win the game. Yes. And uh, go into the locker room and get some get some hot cocoa or any, something. Any other game, you're right. Now, by the way, they only seem to do this in the worst weather games possible because they I did know. the exact same thing against <laughs> the Ravens that I was saying, and they yeah. almost did the exact same thing against the Lions. You know, there was enough time on the clock where they could run the kick, try and run the kickback. Yeah. I, I hear you. I was on my couch, my hands wrapped around my legs, up in an egg position, I couldn't. I was in full paralysis mode. I couldn't. I couldn't. Couldn't handle it. But the fact of the matter is this: the Bills have locked up a playoff berth for the fourth straight season. Come on. They have a stranglehold on the AFC East. The Bills are still the one seed in the AFC with three games to go. Number one. And that was a hell of a Saturday night. That was a wonderful Saturday night. So here's the thing. Anybody that was at that game yeah. is going to tell their kids and grandkids and great-grandkids about how wonderful it was. Sure. I was supposed to be at that game. Oh. Oh, no. And I'm not going to that game. Oh, no. And uh, there's a reason why. I would hope. 
Medical emergencies are never fun. But Bills fans do what they can to get to the stadium, especially for games like that. And it's funny, man, based on how we were raised, how it seems that time is just one flat circle that keeps repeating itself. Mm -hmm. uh, because we've had experience with this when we were kids watching our dad. We did. We'll get into it. It's Let's Go Duffalo, the Odyssey app, where we get your podcasts. Necessary and Bills fans, when it comes to supporting their team, support by any means necessary. You were going to be in that stadium on Saturday night by any means necessary. Get the job done. Except, despite everything I tried, there was no way I was making it to that game. By You're fired. Any, okay. You're, You're fired. It's Let's Go Duffalo on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast. That's Ryan Duffy. Hi. My name's Pat Duffy. Uh, like, subscribe, give us a rating, tell Ryan he's pretty or don't. I don't care. Got a haircut, by the way. I did. Yeah, it was time. Interesting. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, it looks good. I um, I Googled mid-hair, like, because I had very long hair. It was to my shoulders. Yeah. It was a COVID project. Yeah. And um, and it was just time. I looked at myself in the mirror every single morning and just said, you gross human. Yeah. No, it was getting pretty unkempt. Much much better now. I think so. Yeah, Thank no. you for the compliment. Same We'll get to what's making Ryan sad in just a little while here. But uh, So I got a story to tell. Oh. Uh, you know, I have my bill season tickets. Of course. And we've talked at length for the last two months that this date with the Dolphins has been circled on the calendar. Big circle. It gets moved to prime time. It makes the game even more important. Double circle. Okay. And the weather coming in, every Bills fan loves a snow game. You've circled it so many times you can't even see the date anymore. So I had to jump through hoops. My daughter, she plays travel hockey. She ended up breaking her collarbone, but her team had, of course, two games in Buffalo the night that the Bills are playing this Dolphins team. So, all right, so I figure it out. We're going to get a hotel that night in Buffalo. My wife's going to take the kids. We're going to go two cars. My daughter still wants to go to her team's hockey game, so we're going to drive up there. Bing, bang, boom. I'm going to go to the game. She's going to take her to her friend's game. They're going to a Buttes uh, women's professional hockey game. Nice. While I'm at the Bills game, great. Everything's going to work out. Bob's your uncle. Bob's so, our uncle. We do have an uncle named Bob. Yes, we do. <laughs> So on Friday morning, I wake up and I have like this stabbing pain in my stomach. Did you get stabbed? Uh, I, no, I did not get stabbed. Well, that's good. So uh, I wake up and I go in the bathroom. It's right at my belly button and I have this bulge coming out of my belly button. Hmm. And I've had a hernia before, mm. so I assumed it was just a hernia. You're just going for the natural progression of getting older from going from an innie to an outie. <laughs> so... It was, the pain wasn't too bad. I'm like, all right, I'll deal with this. I go to work, you know, finish that up. And as the day goes on, it's getting more and more painful. Ooh, like, I'm, I'm a tough guy. But, well, look, man, all right. Ooh, my insides are on my outsides trying to get out, but I'm I'm a tough guy. You know, you want to know, I knew the only option was surgery if that's what it was. Oh, yeah. And I didn't want to get cut again because that surgery is the most brutal recovery, man. You can't do anything for two weeks. Right. They cut your core open. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That sounds. Yeah. Your your hernia surgery sounds like the worst surgery. That like when your core gets cut open. Like um. I don't know what both of our wives have been through. Okay. Shut. Don't be over. that guy. <laughs> shut up. It hurts so bad, but I'm tough. Okay. <laughs> our wives got children out of it. I get like a you know like an ice cream bar out of the freezer. Like there's a difference here. An appendix in a jar. So anywho, <laughs> I'm trying to stretch it out throughout the day to try and pop in what I think are my intestines back into my abdomen. Look, I mean this is what it is, man. It is what it is. Like I what? Did, I didn't want to get cut. There are stretches you can do to try and make it better. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, no, like the first hernia I had, I had for like two years and just managed the pain until I just couldn't handle it anymore and I had to go get cut. Anywho, so I'm going throughout the day. 
We get to Friday night. My daughter is having some of her hockey friends over. She hasn't seen him in two weeks since she broke her collarbone. I don't want to take that away from her. Sure. My wife and my daughter, they do competitive ballroom dance because why wouldn't you? Competitive ballroom dance. Yeah. It's a thing. I like it. Yeah, no, they love it. My daughter is amazing, I think. I don't know. I don't really know she, what I'm no, watching. No, she, she is amazing. So, I, 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 she is fantastic. So they go off, and the whole day my wife, who is an, a doctor, she's a dermatologist, is trying to convince me to go make an appointment with my doctor that day. No big deal. Okay, so I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. Knowing that the game is on Saturday, and I don't want any bad news, I figure I can handle the pain, I'll deal with it Monday, whatever, no big deal. No, tough guy. Friday night, my wife is gone. She texts me. I talked to one of my doctor friends. You need to go to the ER immediately. This is like nine o'clock. Oh, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. All right. All right. All right. So, you know, it's not a fun phone call. Uh, your daughter's friends, parents who have trusted you to take care of their children, having to call them and be like, hey, listen, I'm going to need you to pick up your kid 45 minutes early because I got to go to the emergency room for a thing that was happening already. I have to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to the emergency room. Long story short, it wasn't a hernia. I'm not going to tell you the gross stuff that it actually was. Trust okay. me, you don't want to know. Okay. But both the doctor and my doctor wife. Did you get something stuck in your belly button? No, I did not get anything stuck in my belly button. They don't know what it is. My wife thinks something got stuck in my belly button. And that's why it happened. Is this a tan army man? <laughs> why, does he, why did he play with the tan ones? The green ones are the go-to. Long story short, both the doctor and my wife tell me you're not going to the game on Saturday night. And it's four in the morning. Is your I'm, doctor also your wife? <laughs> she just said it twice. <laughs> I'm in the emergency room at four in the morning. And out loud, I'm going, yeah, absolutely fine. But in my head, I'm going, there's no way I'm missing this game. I'm going to figure out a way to get to this game. Sure. So I end up getting up at like nine in the morning. And my thought all day was, how do you get out the door and get to this game? I'm in pain. This is not good. I got stuff leaking out of my body. Mm. It's disgusting. Yeah. But I wasn't missing this game for anything. Oh, looks like we're at a Gatorade. I'm just going to go grab some real quick. Bro, you laugh. Like, I, I was literally at the point where I was ready to break out of the house. And, like, I mean, my <laughs> wife was going to be pissed. But, like, you know. What's to- that behind you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm convinced. Like, I'm going to beg for forgiveness later. Like, I was at the point where I was pack- I was ready to pack a bag with all my snow stuff. Like, pretend. Like, I'm just going to go down the street real quick. Have the bag already in the back of the car and just screw. Uh-huh. Go. Yeah. I'm gone. Sure. My wife saw through that. She had an extra eye on me all day long. I ended up not going to the game. Bummer. And it was, for as great as that game was, the better it got and the better it got, along with the excitement, was that pain of knowing I'm not at that game. Bummer. And not like, the physical pain that you were in because of whatever medical situation you found yourself in? Okay, I'm not trying to sound like a tough guy. No. I'm not. I'm not. But I could have managed the pain to be at that game. I could have. I just, all I wanted in the world was to be at that game. Jordan Poyer has to drive from Buffalo to Kansas City because he can't fly because his ribs are on his outside. But yet, you get a uh, uh, a, a yo-yo stuck in your belly button. <laughs> And you're sitting out the game in one of the, you know, the, the most, in hindsight, you know, uh, memorable wins in Orchard Park history. So they have me on all of the antibiotics right now. Uh-huh. And they're so intense that it's like messing with my brain. It's the weirdest thing. Do you think you're smarter or dumber? No, no. It's like, no, dumber, definitely. It's made me dumber. I mean, you're 100%. listening to the show this morning. You get it. <laughs> and it's funny because life, time is a flat circle. We never learn from anything. Nope. And uh, this story that I'm telling you, the reason I bring it up, 
is it's very similar to a story that Ryan and I went through in our childhood. Mm -hmm. Now, if you listen to Let's Go Duffalo, you know that we come from a family of diehard Bills fans. Sure. Our dad has had Bills season tickets since 1988. Yep. He owns six of them despite not knowing more than four people. Sure. Right? And he's <laughs> had them since forever, forever. Like, all our Sundays yep. revolved around what happened with the Bills. The first two, if I recall, maybe the first four were a gift from her, from his mother. First two, were, yeah. Yeah, first two. And, you know, as our family grew, he continued to add more and more. Okay. Okay, that was the most polite lie I've ever heard in your life. He no. just came, as our family grew, he didn't get him so the whole family could go to the game. There's he, six of us total. He has six seats. Now, whether that is a, 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 yeah, happy, there you go. a happy circumstance, <laughs> I'm not going to go through the, the, I talked to my therapist about that. I'm not going to talk about it on the show. <laughs> the reason I bring this up is my dad never missed Bill's games for anything. No. Anything. Credit uh, credit to him. We give him a lot of garbage on the show. He's not going to miss a game. <laughs> He's not missing a game even now in his uh in his what twilight years, I guess. He is not missing a game for any circumstance. He's uh, going by himself. Yes. He's taking the bus. Yes. He's doing his thing. He's going to be in the stands. My our our youngest sister Katie, he was there at a Bill's game like days after my mother gave birth via cesarean section. Yeah. Not as bad as uh, getting a jack stuck in your <laughs> navel, but... There was one game, one game that our dad missed when we were kids. Mm. And uh, the story goes like this. How old were we? 10? I was like 10. You were 8? Something yeah, like that? Yeah. Grammar uh, school. The Bills were playing the Dolphins. It was the last game of the season, and it ended up being Don Shula's last ever Regular season game. Yeah. Okay. Coaching against the Bills. So it's Saturday night. My dad is working his part-time security job. Mm -hmm. And you and I are running around the house. We're playing hide-and-go-seek. We're doing our things. We're, we're kids. Kids be kids. So Ryan decides he's going to hide behind the door of the bathroom playing hide-and-go-seek. And, Classic uh, hiding spot. So we had six people in the house. We had one bathroom. And there was no lock on the bathroom because sometimes you got to take a dump while someone's taking a shower. Sure. You know, I didn't know that was a weird thing until I was like I 24. No, I'm serious. No, we're going to sidebar it quick. I was unaware. I remember having a conversation with somebody where they were like, wait, what? And I was yeah. like, what? Like there were points in our in our childhood where it was completely normal. Nobody knew it was wrong. Someone was brushing their teeth. Someone was taking a shower. Someone was taking a dump. And it was the smallest bathroom you've ever seen in your it was, life. It was a tiny bathroom. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that can understand and empathize with that that situation. It's like you have one bathroom. We grew up in Gates. It was a small house. You know, all six of us in there, three bedrooms all together. We're, everyone, everyone's doubling up. But um, but yeah, no, that's in in my adult years, I wouldn't be caught dead in any like even remotely close to anyone doing their business in the bathroom. I'll go outside and brush my teeth at that point. So back to the story. Please. Ryan is hiding behind the bathroom door. There's no lock on the bathroom door. And I, at 10, whatever old I was, I know Ryan is behind the door. So instead of going, I know you're there, I shoved the door with both hands as hard as I could. And Ryan, the chubby little projectile that he was. Husky. Flew backwards into the toilet and cracked the top of the toilet. Yeah, the tank. Now, somehow, by God's grace, you didn't get cut by the porcelain. Yeah, that that actually, uh, not to not to jump ahead, but, like, that honestly was a close call. Like, I, I, I remember, um, you know, seeing it after the fact and now knowing as an adult how that can, like, how porcelain can, like, really sneak up on you yeah, like well, that. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> we'll find out about that in a sec. So, but, yeah, no, that was, like, right down my back. Like, that could have very easily cut my back wide open. Would have been bad news. So, Ryan smashes the tank of the toilet. All of the water in the toilet tank rushes out. It rushes down the hallway, down the stairs where my mother is. And I will never forget the, what the hell is that? 
It's literally white rapids of water pouring down the stairs. And for some reason, at that age, I thought the smartest thing to do was to run in my room and close the door. I still would have done that. Like as nothing a, as an adult. No, but like, like as I'm a not thirty year old. Like I'm gonna be able that. to explain. Okay, my wife is bringing Ryan a piece of breakfast Thank pizza. Like so he's gonna much. be able to eat it while we're doing I'm, that. Should I? No, I'm not going to. This You're is Top's breakfast pizza too. It's the best breakfast. It's, pizza. I'm sorry, dude. I for anyone listening to this show, if you have not had Top's breakfast pizza before, you are absolutely missing out. So going back to the story, uh, my mother figures out what we did. She flips out, rightfully so, and she sends us to bed immediately. It's like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. So we wake up the next morning. Ryan has no place to put, I don't know pizza. Where to put my pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're good. We wake up the next morning, and uh, going back to the point that my dad did not miss Bill's games for anything, Yeah, it was our sister Megan's like fourth birthday party. Yeah. 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 He was going to go to the Bills game instead of going to her fourth birthday party. (laughs) But I come downstairs and I see my dad sitting on the couch. His hand is all wrapped up in a bandage and it's over like his head. And I had no idea what had happened the night before, but I knew we were in some serious trouble. Zoinks. (laughs) So it turns out that my mom calls my old man, tells him what happened. What happened? He comes home with a new toilet from Chase Pickett. Chase Pickett. Got I was going to say, yeah, he had he got, the, got that from Chase Pickett. Showed up right before midnight before they closed. He was taking out the old toilet that had been shattered, walking down the stairs. The rest of the toilet bowl shattered and cut his hand right over his artery. Yeah. Deep cut. Yeah. He's bleeding everywhere. Right. He needs to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. They had to bring in a hand surgeon to take care of the injury. Mm-hmm. He was there literally all night long emergency surgery. Yeah. Also, our dad is a, he was a police officer. Yep. And that was his trigger hand, his gun hand. Mm. So like for you to work the right way, that hand has to heal. Sure. Obviously, both the surgeon and the doctor that he saw told him, there's no way you're going to, after this injury, go sit in 10 degree weather and watch this Bills game. And our dad still argued for hours with him in the emergency room about whether or not he would be allowed to go to that game. He is persistent. And I couldn't help but think of that as I'm sitting in the emergency room with both of these doctors, my wife and the doctor, telling me there's no way you're going to this game. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels between our dad almost, uh, you know, losing his life based off of, you know, the the artery that was that was cut. <laughs> Versus you getting a marble stuck in your uh, your belly button. The point that I'm making is this. For years and years and years, I looked at my dad, our dad, as saying, I'm going to this game. He's like, what are you, stupid? Why are you so stupid? It's one freaking game. Again, also a game against the Dolphins, which is eerie. Right, that's, super that eerie. Is, that is funny. A December game against the Dolphins. Years and years. Like, what kind of stupid ass are you? Were you going to argue with a doctor about going to the game? And the moment the doctor was like, yeah, I don't think you should go to that game. It was like the ultimate like, oh, I deserve this. I, <laughs> I so deserve what is happening right this is, now. This is like Final Destination playing out yeah. of like, you know, you can't run from death. Like I'm, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm looking off in the distance like this is I deserve. This is what I was supposed to happen to me. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Why, God, do you put me in situations to teach me lessons throughout my life? What's funny, too, is I rem- I think I'm remembering this right, because that was one of the only games that dad ever missed. Um, I remember him telling me he, I must have been older. 
but he ended up calling because he had the tickets. He didn't want to eat them, you yeah. know, six of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> he now he's he's not going to the game, obviously. So now he has to get rid of these tickets. We get rid of either to recoup or to just, you know, have someone else enjoy them. And he called a neighbor of ours, Jim St. Denny, and like said like to him, hey, Jim, I uh, I can't go to the game. And like he immediately was like, yeah, I'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> Like six in the morning, seven in the morning. It's like, yeah, no, I'll take him. I got him. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. I'll be right down. (laughs) Like this is, this is going to be one of those things like for the rest of my life. Cause that is like we talked about, like that's going to be one of those Bill's Colts snow game memories forever. He was there. Right. Uh, The greatest comeback game memories forever. He was also there. Now the second greatest comeback. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But like people are going to talk about that Bill's game forever and ever and ever and ever from Saturday night. Yeah. And I'm going to have to be like, yeah, no, it looked great on television because I was all leaking out of my belly button. You know what's going to make you a dynamite at parties? When that comes up inevitably, as it will at all parties in the future, <laughs> and that game, and you're going to be like, yeah, I could have gone, but then I got something stuck in my belly button <laughs> and it got infected Nothing got and, st- I couldn't, <laughs> and I couldn't go to the game. Nothing got stuck in my belly button. Nothing got stuck in my belly button. It's not what happened. I don't know what happened, but it wasn't anything. I'd say. I don't stick things in my belly button. I'm not saying you did it on purpose, but <laughs> how would something get in my belly button? I mean, you got kids. You got dogs. Who knows? What do you think? Well, I'm just laying in bed and my kids are stuffing things in my belly button while I'm Please, sleeping. I woke up yesterday to my now three-year-old with her actual butt in my face and she's shaking it <laughs> like, and she's going, daddy. <laughs> Saturday night's game was not without controversy. There are some Dolphins fans that are really upset with two things in particular. What's that? One, they seem to think that the refs handed the Bills the game, which is laughable. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, but a second thing that everyone was watching on national television, snow was falling towards the end of the game, but even when the snow wasn't coming from the sky, snow was falling out of the field. Oh, the weather outside is weather. <laughs> we'll get to that, and uh, we'll find out what's making Ryan sad next. Let's go Duffalo, the Odyssey app, where you get your podcast. officially back on. Oh, bring it. You can see the players hating each other on the field last night. Bills and Dolphins fans are now healthily going back and forth, and that leads to uh, complaints from both fan bases. But there are two things that showed up last night that Dolphins fans are pissed about. What's that? Uh, we'll get into it. And, like, both of yeah. them, both of them, like, you got to be Both Dolphins fans? No, both of them. <laughs> It's Let's Go Duffalo on the Odyssey app. He's Ryan Duffy. Hello. My name's Pat Duffy. Uh, Ryan, my brother here, is a man who wears his emotions on his sleeve. All the time. And uh, as we do every week, we're now going to find out what's making Ryan sad. Well, after such a magnificent win, it's not always easy to find things to be sad about. However, I will say that it makes me tremendously sad. To think that a global conglomerate such as the NFL and their venture into media through NFL Network could find possibly the worst play-by-play and color commentators on the games that they broadcast exclusively. Yeah, they were bad. And I'm not even talking about What's-His-Face and Mark Sanchez. (laughs) 
I don't even know who that guy is. I was gonna say I was gonna say vanilla business suit and Mark Sanchez. And and all credit to Rich Eisen. I love Rich Eisen's show. I think he's great. I think there's a little bit of, uh, as Mark Sanchez would put it, a little bit of rib meat left on. Yeah, the, well, you uh, would not let phone. that go last night. <laughs> dude, my wife and I were laughing about that. What are you hours. doing, man? Um, yeah, dude. NFL Network commentators, play by play and color, and even the the uh, pregame and halftime. Like I like MJD. I like Mike Rob. Steve Smith Sr. has some opportunity, I think, to maybe provide a better analysis. I think he's just there to wear funny outfits. Look, <laughs> he's got a hat on. Look, now he's got goggles on. Check it out, Steve Smith. <laughs> yeah, man, you would think with the amount of money that the NFL brings in every year that they would try to, or maybe even put into, like, broadcasting, like, clauses with, with the other major networks that, like, we get Aikman and Buck for this game. We get Romo and Nance for this game. Yeah, it is weird because, well, I guess, though, I guess we get I, Greg Olson and whatever, Kevin something. <laughs> <laughs> What's that guy's the Kevin I, Burkhart? I, I don't know, but my point is, like, you would think that they would have a little bit more of, like, a, a, a vetting process. And not even vetting process, like, a little bit more uh, experienced people on the call. Aside from Rich Eisen, because I really do like Rich Eisen. I, mean, I think he did a passable job. But it's just, I don't know, it's just not the same. I do find it funny, like, the way that these media outlets, Amazon, ESPN, the money that they pay these people to do play-by-play, because Amazon paid Al Michaels an unbelievable amount of money. Yeah. Tom Brady's about to get paid an unbelievable amount of money. It doesn't matter, because, like, that game, the commentary last night on that Bills game was terrible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrible. Yeah, man. It took, it honestly, like, I I really, really try hard to not let it take me out of the game. There were several points last night where it took me out of the game entirely. That being said, you're not changing the channel. No, even, absolutely. Even, that may be a good point. Even if it's a game you don't care about, you're going to muscle through and watch the game. Yeah. So why are they paying these people all this money if, I mean, I guess maybe it can enhance your experience. If you have, I guess, you know, I know some people hate Tony Romo. I find his insights charming. Yeah, it's, it's endearing. Okay. But yeah. like, even if you have someone that's really good that can put you in the game, I'm not more apt to watch a game because someone's calling it than somebody else's. I just want to watch the game that I want to watch that day. That's a good point. You know, it's it's not one o'clock on a Sunday where you can flip between Fox and CBS, you know? Um, but even so, like ESPN, well, arguably they've had a kind of poor track record over the last like five years of, of commentators on Monday Night Football. Sure. But um, but Sunday, I mean, NBC also, you're the only game in town at that point. There's not a whole lot of competition to your point of like, what else are you going to watch? Are you going to turn the game off because Mark Sanchez is a, is a making poor analysis? No, no. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I get, I, I get it. I'm with you that that was, that was not good. However, I'm not changing it. What's also funny too is like I think Mike Pereira knows how poor they were because even like there were times where he was like chirping them back and forth of like, well, actually, there's no such thing as confirmed in the as far as calls are concerned. <laughs> it just stands no, or it's reversed. Mike Pereira made himself look like a jackass a little bit last night too because like on that Isaiah McKenzie catch where they go, well, what, what do you think? He straight up was like, I don't know. Like, well, what are we paying you for? And then and that then, wasn't it. That wasn't a catch. There, I, when they when that got that was absolutely a catch. No, I don't think so. Look, I get I, well. I think so. If if it was if, if it was confirmed the, the catch yes. on the field, yes, that's what I mean. If it, there was not enough to overturn it, and and I understand like the gusto of challenging that call because that was a, a really big gain. I think it was third down at that point, right? Was it? Yes, it was. Um. So yeah, like you know, live and die by it. But uh, yeah, man. Like uh, what what was it at one point when like the Dolphins went ahead in the fourth or in the third, whatever it was, and it's like, and the Dolphins are leading for the first time yes, in this yeah. game, and like, they do they started the scoring. He had to come back from commercial and be like, oh, uh, some, some idiot. 
<laughs> so that actually perfectly transitions into what we're going to talk about here. Because yeah. there are two things this morning that Dolphins fans uh, are really, really, really upset about. Mm-hmm. First off, I'm reading a lot about how Dolphins fans think the refs handed the game to the Bills, which is interesting because that was a catch, and they reviewed it, and it wasn't a catch, so one. Okay. Two, they're upset about all the defensive holding and pass interference calls that the Dolphins picked up along the game. Uh, okay. Okay, I'm with you 100%. You know, I mean, they were doing that on purpose, right? That was part of the game plan on those drives to slow down the Bills. Like, you weren't pass interfering where it would have been a spot foul, except for the Isaiah McKenzie one, which was absolutely pass interference. Uh, yeah, and there were other ones, too. The one on Gabe Davis was absolutely pass interference, and they called holy prior to the pass holding. Yeah, like, so- you're out of your mind. I got up to my television and yelled at the at the official, where he's saying, and when as soon as he started saying prior to the pass, I was like, you're a moron! No, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I think it was part of the defensive game plan, which credit to the Dolphins. I understand why you want to try that to slow him down. Sure. Five yards on a first down when you've only got X amount of seconds on the clock. And it almost worked with Josh finding James Cook for that touchdown before the half. For sure. And you've seen it work. And like, I understand that being like a default. You know, if you if you feel like you're going to be giving up the pass, you don't know where the ball is. You're just jumping up. I mean, work for Nikel Roby Coleman when he was on the uh, uh, on the Rams. True that. In the uh, NFC Well, that was actually uh, absolutely Oh, of course. But my point is that like, okay, just take a sh- your beat at that point. Like, you know, put a shoulder in him. If you don't get a call, that's fantastic. You're going to get a call either way. But the second thing that really made Dolphins fans upset Snowballs, Ryan. Snowballs. If you watch, uh, uh, it's actually ice balls. <laughs> they were they were hard balls of ice being thrown. Please go on. Okay. I have so much to say about this. When you saw it happening last night, what is it? A, was it a big deal for you? No. Why? No, because because I love Bills Mafia more than anything. If, don't get me wrong. If we're in Cleveland, we're playing on the road in Cleveland, and that's happening, I'm going to say Cleveland's the biggest trash fan base of all. If it's happening in MetLife, if it's happening any other Lambo, any outdoor snow stadium, Seattle, I'm going to trash that fan base left and right. But I love Bills Mafia. Go to town, homeboys. Okay, so you're a hypocrite then. No, I, of course I am. I'm a homer. But here's the thing. And the way I kind of justify it to myself, even though I know they're not the same thing, if the Dolphins want to put their away bench in the middle of the Miami sun, making it 145 degrees on the sideline at field level, and you want to complain about getting hit in the back of the head with an ice ball while you're on the bench and you don't have a helmet on, I, of course, they're not the same thing. But I'm sorry, man. Elements are elements. You're coming into our house at this point. We are using the elements to our benefit, just like you use the elements to your benefit. Oh, you kind of sound like a jerk right now. I totally sound like a jerk. I don't care, though. I'm sorry, man. That's that's football for you. All right. Uh, but, but are you going to talk about the potential consequences? If we we'll continue. Get there. Yes, okay, we'll okay, get there. Okay. We'll get there. All right, all right. All right. So here's the thing. I mean, it's not great. Not encouraging it. Of course. But at the same time, I didn't look at the snowballs as like them trying to hit people. Because like as soon as Quentin Moore scored that first touchdown, they just rained snowballs down upon the offense as well. Yes. So I looked at it as celebratory. So here's the, the, so two things there. You make a really good point. The the celebratory celebratory snowballs in the in the stands and being thrown onto the on, onto the field of play post touchdown to celebrate zero problem with i think that is like obviously yes someone can get hurt but i think like at that point emotions are running high we're celebrating you're using the into all of the scenery to help you celebrate what's going on there i just want to clarify it's not cool if you're on the sideline you, you if, can't back it up now you just I'm not backing up. No, no, no i stand by just, i don't care i don't care i love it i like continue to do it but at the same time i think you need to understand Someone really could get hurt. Like they could absolutely get hurt. And 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 the distinction here is that the complaint that was coming from Mike McDaniel's was they Daniel, excuse Josh me. McDaniel's. Sorry, thank you. 
on the sideline, they were getting pelted. So like that we didn't see. And and yes, like if you're just walking, if you're a player or if you're just a staff member walking through and you get hit in the head with an ice ball going, you know, 45 miles an hour by some guy with no shirt on. Like, yeah, dude, that could really hurt someone. And that's not cool. So I just want to put that out there. Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, McDaniel complains yeah. to the refs. He pulls the refs aside yeah. and they stop the game mm-hmm. and they make an announcement. The referee stopped the game. So here you brought up the commentary. These things go side by side perfectly. Yeah. As they stop the game, Mike Sanchez and Vanilla Suit Guy start debating whether Joseph A. Bank whether or not <laughs> the Bills can be penalized for what their fans are doing. They cut to Mike Pereira, and it was almost like they wrote it. They go, he goes, what are they going to do? It's not like you can penalize the bill. And he doesn't even get bills out by the time the referee is on Mike going, the next snowball thrown will be a 15-yard <laughs> per- personal foul against the bills. I think Mike Pereira actually said uh, at that point, it's like he, whatever his name, like framed it to him. It's like, what do you do if you're if you're in this situation? And uh, Mike Pereira goes, uh, run for cover. <laughs> what are you, what are you going to do? And that's the thing. And like to, to his point, like and Mike Pereira made some good points. Like you can't penalize the, I don't think you can penalize the fan base or the bills at that point, like a bench foul. Right. But because, you know, at that point, like who knows if Dolphins yeah, fans mean, that, are going to be thrown, like you can't distinguish what's going on there. Yeah. Two things. You One, gotta, you, you can't yeah. charge an NFL team with an NHL penalty Two, what, a bench, bench minor. Is that, you said a bench foul? A bench foul. It's, no, I'm saying like unsportsmanlike conduct on, on the bench. Whatever. Bench okay. You know what I'm talking about. No, but you make a great point. I mean, if I'm a Dolphins fan in that stadium, I'm chucking every snowball I can get Absolutely. my hands on trying to hit every Dolphin staffer. But here's the thing. I guess the idea is the penalty is being assessed to the Bills, even if it's a Dolphins man, because you didn't control the situation inside your stadium before the game started. Yeah. And that, and that's, I mean, I, I love the bills and, and maybe this was by design or maybe just by, I don't think it was by design. I shouldn't say that. Um, uh, put a pin in that. Cause I'm going to read you some comments in just a second. Okay. Not fine. by oh. design, but all right. So here's the thing. They make the announcement next, uh, next snowball, 15 yard penalty. Yep. First off, Big time lunch monitor energy there. Oh my god! It's 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 the same thing as that guy into that official in Detroit all those years ago, where it's like everyone needs to quiet down. <laughs> the the opposing offense cannot make the plays or hear each other. If the voice levels do not decrease, it will be a fifteen yard penalty on the Lions. It was the Lions, right? I Am I remembering remember. that I right? Remember. Second problem here, right? The fastest way to get people to throw more snowballs is to say, stop throwing snowballs. As soon as he said that, I texted my good friends and I was like, this is going to get bad. <laughs> this is going to get real bad. Third. Dude, none of the, does he, he's, he's clearly never had a toddler. No, seriously. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Third, there was never a threat for that penalty anyway. There was no way in a game of that magnitude on national television, that was as close as it was the whole game that you were going to hand Miami 15 yards for a snowball. Because it's funny, I watched snowballs fly for the rest of that game. Yeah. Like, there was never a time where there wasn't a snowball in a scene, in a shot in that game. Although, Calvin Klein on the broadcast did say, um, you know, and since they've made that announcement, I have not seen one snowball been thrown. I know, again, horrible, horrible call. And then as he's saying that, like, I see one, like, go up in the air. It was in the stands. It didn't hit the field. But, like, it goes goes up into the air in front of the camera like and then comes back down so when josh gets hit laid out of bounds uh on that two-point conversion drive there right and there's that fracas over on the sidelines a lot of fracas it's just rated snowballs yeah right and like there's refs getting hit in the back with snowballs 
You're not going to throw a flag. If you're not going to throw a flag there, we know you're not going to throw a flag. Yeah. And, like, if you're going to make the threat, you either have to follow through on the threat or else there's going to be a ton more snowballs. Yeah. Like, come on, man. What yeah. do we do with the snowball thing? I uh, So you're anti-snowball is what you're saying. I'm not anti-snowball. Look, I, okay, I don't want to see people throwing snowballs because I just want to watch a football game. I, I agree. Said, I agree with you there. Don't take – don't do what you did to try and stop the snowballs. And McDaniel – complaining to the referee was like the most Mike McDaniel. Like it's exactly what I expected out of a guy like that. You know, we're just having a good coach official relationship. The hell does that mean? He says that that's a quote from yesterday at halftime. Like you can't make the complaint and then play it down in the halftime interview. Like, oh, I'm tough. No, you're not. I just watched you complain to the ref that you're right. going to hit with snowballs. It's not snow, it's ice balls. Um, what's funny too is like on the, because I going back to the Isaiah McKenzie incomplete call. And the, and the subsequent challenge. I knew it wasn't going to get overturned. We talked about this already. Mm-hmm. And I said to my wife watching the game, I was like, this guy's going to eat some serious ice right now. <laughs> He's got to go to on top of the Buffalo logo at the 50-yard line <laughs> if he doesn't want to get hit with a snowball right now because he's not going to overturn it, and he's going to absolutely get hit in the face on Mike with a an, an ice ball coming in. Oh, God, how great would that clip be for the rest no, of the Well, no, because it really could have hurt the of guy. Of course it could have. No, like, you can't, of course you can't side-by-side slalom this. You can't. Com- comedy is tragedy plus time. Yeah, it would What I am saying is that it would, like, imagine having that clip. All, uh, hopefully, it's not, like, a, a serious injury. You can't, you can't say that. Dude, yes, I can. No. Just imagine how funny it would be for years and years that we could see that official being like, after review, poof. <laughs> <laughs> it's him right in the eyeball. Yeah, but you shouldn't. In the eyeball, you can blind it. I'm just saying, snow, dude. It just, just laugh at the oh. the potential funny that comes with that. People getting hit with snowballs is funny. Okay. I would like to read you some comments from Sean McDermott last night, please, because in his post game press conference, he was asked about the threat of a 15 yard penalty on account of the snowballs. Yep. Here's the quote from Sean McDermott. You ready? Mm-hmm. We have such a passionate fan base. I don't want them to get a bad rap. Fans did a good job when we needed them to stop. Yeah. That is the ultimate, I can't say that I liked it, but I really liked it response. Was it not? Oh, for sure. I mean, McDermott is so good at saying nothing for 10 minutes. Yeah. That was, you know, he had been thinking about that response the moment the game ended because they're going to ask me about the snowball. Of course they're going and I don't to. want to be like, hey, don't be that guy. I don't want to be Sam Weiss standing out in the middle of the field going, I'm not from Cleveland. Because yeah. if there was a flag, do you remember this? What? So uh, there were things being thrown at a Bengals game. It was in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And same thing happened, threats of penalties, all this stuff. So their head coach, Sam Weish, was handed a microphone. He went out to the middle of the field, and he scolded the fans. <laughs> and his last words were, show a little class. You're in Cincinnati. You're not in Cleveland, or the place that erupted, <laughs> right? I was trying to think last night, like, if they needed someone to go on a mic to tell the fans to stop, who gets the mic? Um, Josh. So it's Josh over McDermott. I think so, yeah. Oh, I mean, I probably 6-1 and one at that point. Well, but. no, I mean, somebody matters more. The fan base is going to listen to someone more. Would they listen to McDermott, or would they listen to Josh Allen more at the request? I think they would listen to both of them equally. I really do think so. But I also think McDermott wouldn't put Josh in that kind of situation. I think McDermott would be the one to go He would be the there. one that insisted on doing it. Yeah. Okay. Is there a wild card that we're missing where everyone would listen to? Like if Stefan Diggs got out of that microphone and was like, guys, guys, guys. No way. No one's listening to Stefan Diggs? I don't think so. Not with that. I think, like, um, yeah, I think McDermott is, like, if there was ever, a, like, a job to do in that sense for him, yeah, that was the one Wait, to Wait, you're telling me McDermott would look forward to scolding people over no, throwing snowballs? No, no, I'm oh. saying, like, if there, was ever, if there was ever anyone that, like, in that situation who was, like, best suited 
to calm the fan base and be like, let's not, let's stop throwing snowballs. Yeah, you're probably I right. I think it's Sean McDermott. I think you're right. Um, but yeah, and I can't think of anyone else on the maybe Marv Levy if they like took him out there in the middle of the fifty. Guys, 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 guys. Jordan Poirier might have been able to pull it off. He's got a lot of respect from Bills fans, the yeah. leader of the team. Yeah, for sure. But I think that's it. Josh, Poyer, McDermott. Yeah. Fair? I mean, we know Matt Milano doesn't he say just, I don't know if he knows how to speak English. Although, maybe if you just put him out there with no mic, just with no helmet, and just, him just like staring blankly, <laughs> doing a 360, that might work. Three wins to go. Three wins to go, go baby. for the first overall seed in the AFC. And here's the thing. A lot of Bills fans have that Bengals game circled with an exclamation point prime time against one of the other best teams in the AFC. I'm not going to lie to you, man. This game on Sunday has me nervous. Yeah. The team is not good. No. There's a familiar face that could be standing on the sideline across from us. <laughs> but based on developments from last night, from Saturday night's game, Oh, we're going to do it. Let's go Duffalo, the Odyssey app. Raving podcast. Three wins away, baby. Three wins get you home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Three more. Three more. And Bills fans have one game in particular circled as a potential trip-up game. That would be... Two weeks against the Bengals in prime time on the border of Kentucky there. But this game on Sunday is making me very, very nervous. Let's go, Duffalo. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The breakfast pizza. Come on. There's children listening to this. On the Odyssey app where we get your podcast. From irresponsible parents. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who puts us out with their kids in the car? What's wrong with you people? Uh, The Bills take on the Chicago Bursts. Chicago. Christmas Eve game, another Saturday, so it's exactly a week from when they played the last time, 1 o'clock. Um, this game scares me, Ryan. Why is that? Give me the record for the Bears right now. Uh, the record for the Bears right now, they have three wins. Three wins. Three and ten? Nine. Nine, three and nine. nine. yeah, okay. they haven't played yet today. Okay. So, can you give me the three wins that the Bears have? Sure. Um, they beat the 49ers in week one. I remember that game. Trey but Lance. That's a Trey, Trey Lance, Lance going down. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, they beat the Texans. He didn't go down that game. He played that whole game. Oh, did he? Okay. Um, they beat the Texans. Okay. In week three. Okay. By three points. Okay. And then in week seven, they handsomely beat the Patriots, uh, doubled over, doubled up on 33-14. Okay. But other than that, they've just been getting... On the road, I should say, too. Interesting. Now, here's the thing about the Bears. Now, granted, the record does not make them look all that good. No. And maybe the team is not good. They have big Bills rookie year Josh energy going on. Now, Justin Fields is a quarterback. It's their it's his second season. Yeah. And last year, the coaching staff had no idea what to do with him. Yeah. It seems now that they're doing everything they can to put him in a position to succeed, which is good for him. I like the way he plays ball. I yeah. think it's exciting. He's a baller, yeah. This Bears team has nothing to lose. No. They've been playing better week by week by week when mm-hmm. the injuries aren't there on their roster. And the Bills... At least the fan base is looking forward to that Bengals game. Yeah. This has massive trap game. You never saw it coming. It's on Christmas Eve, on the road. It's the Bears Super Bowl, man. This game, and of course, like you got three games to go to lock up home field advantage throughout the playoffs. This would be the one that you lose out of the last three, wouldn't it? Yeah. There are, so 
looking at the overall standings, the Bears are handsomely in the basement of the NFC. They are also only like league wide second to last because the Texans have two less wins. Yes, than yeah, them. yeah, and they beat them. So and they beat them by three. So points. at that point, you're now eliminated from the first overall pick. Yeah, you've got nothing to lose. Um, now that said, you got to have faith in your offense, the Bills, the Bills overall, to go beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. You know. Um, Okay. But as far as trap game is concerned, I don't think you can write it up better. Look, man, every year there's one game, no matter how good or bad the Bills are, where they lose, where you're like, you got to be kidding me right now. Yeah. It was the Jaguars uh, last year. I think two years ago, you can make the argument that it was the Cardinals. How do you lose to that team the way that you lost to that team? Yeah. Got got the doors blown off them by the by the Colts last year, too. I yeah, mean, but at that point, the Colts were Colts still a were contender. Rolling. Yeah, they were for contender. sure. I, I get you. But your point of, of like, you know, the Bills tend to drop some that they shouldn't in, in miraculously poor fashion. So here's my fear. Here's my fear. Yeah. I don't know if the Bills have had that game yet this year. Because you lose to the Dolphins in Miami. Miami mm-hmm. is a formidable foe. Sure. Right? We saw it last night. Okay. In circumstances. You exactly. Know. Yeah. You lose that first game to the Jets. At the time, we thought that was that game. But the yeah. Jets are in the playoffs right now. Yeah. I don't think the Jets are a great team. But they're not like Jacksonville Bears Texans bad. Yeah. And that Minnesota game, as much as I think Minnesota are frauds, despite the fact that they had the greatest comeback <laughs> Dude, in NFL history. How, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? I still think they're frauds. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm sorry. I don't have any faith. Like, bro, everyone talked about what an amazing comeback that was. You were down 36 to nothing to a guy who got his first head coaching job four weeks ago. 33. No, they were one point. It was 36. It was 33 nothing at halftime. They added a field goal. Mm, okay. Watch the whole game. Sure. I, there was things leaking on my belly button. So I, then, I so then the that would have meant that they had a 36-point comeback. Shut up. Okay, it was 33. It's 33. Okay, maybe it was 36 to 3. But point, my point stands. Like, to come back, you still have to be down 33 to nothing to Jeff Saturday. Yeah. I mean, the Bills were down to Warren Moon and one of the best offenses in the NFL of the 90s. You were down to Jeff Saturday. You don't have to... to justify or or explain i'm with you on that i think that the bills offense uh in 1992 it was a it was more overall impressive situation than than the vikings win yesterday but records are records the point that i'm making is this the bills have not lost to a team where you were like you gotta be kidding me Mm. the patriots will not be that game the last game of the season the patriots as much as i think they're terrible they're a football team sure the Bengals are one of the best teams in the afc Mm -hmm. if it's gonna happen which it seems to happen once a year. It's going to be Saturday, and it scares the crap out of me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm I'm anxious for the game for sure. Um, I think where where the Bills have the most opportunity, especially after last or after Saturday night, um, they have had some hard trouble stopping the run game and uh, quality tackling. You know, so if you have someone like Justin Fields who excels at escaping the pocket and can really hurt you with his feet, and you're also not fundamentally tackling properly, that's a recipe for potential disaster. But see, Saturday night against Miami, that was the first game this season where it was like, why are you not stopping the run? The Bills statistically are one of the best run-stopping defenses in the NFL. It was an anomaly. I don't know why. And maybe, again, it was one of those... McDaniel was trying to pull him out of the nickel mm-hmm. so they could take advantage of the pass, and McDermott just wasn't going to do it. Frazier just wasn't going to do it. Yeah, we'll let you have it. You're not going over the top on us, which is the same argument we made when we were talking about... It was a game a couple weeks Football. ago. Shut up. The Bills. The thing that really, really, really scares me, not just for this Bears game, but moving forward, and we touched on it earlier. Clowns. Mitch Morse. Yeah. Yeah, who's the clown now? 
you. Leaves the game with a concussion. If I'm not mistaken, this is his sixth diagnosed concussion of his career, uh, which is horrifying. Yeah, man, that sucks. I, that's that's awful. It sucks doesn't even come close. Look, that's man, terrible. We don't know anything about what's going on with him. We don't know anything about his medical history and how it affects him. I mean, we know. We've seen from other players after they retired what's happening. Yeah. When it comes to what happens here, I just want the guy to be safe. So yeah. if he never takes another snap of an NFL football, I mean, it's terrible for him. I feel for him. I know he wants to play, but, I mean, you know, you got kids you got to raise. Of course. When it comes to a football standpoint, that is a massive problem for the Buffalo Bills moving forward. Yeah. If he can't play, and, I mean, again, like him being out there was just going to make me nervous the entire time anyway. Mm-hmm. And forget the Bears game. I'm talking about the rest. Long term. Yes. I'm with you. I, I'm not so much worried about the interior offensive line. Maybe I should. I don't know. Um, I haven't done much scouting on the on the Bears. But uh, I, I did a lot of scouting at the Dolphins game last night, and that wasn't great. Yeah. Um, and also you're down Ryan Bates going into last night or going into Saturday. Well, night he's coming too. back. So, yeah. So, so I, I was going to say, like, I think your uh, worry can be quelled a little bit. You know, Ryan Bates is the backup center and, you know, Van Rotten going, Van Roten, excuse me, going into uh, back to guard could be a good thing or a bad thing. Who knows? He hasn't played very well at interior offensive line this year. In my humble opinion, there were five players that are absolute necessities for a Bills win. Go. Jordan Poyer. Sure. Stefan Diggs. Clear, clearly Jordan Poyer. He is undefeated yes. when on the field this year. Yes. So Jordan Poyer. Yeah. Stefan Diggs. Agreed. Matt Milano. Totally. Josh Allen, obviously. For sure. And Mitch Morse. I think Mitch Morse is one of those guys that you need without him. And, you know, you, you never get any credit as an offensive lineman. They only say your name when something Especially goes bad. Especially a center. But here's the thing. Mitch Morse never gets his name said because he never commits penalties. You never see a holding. In fact, he's so anonymous that he was out for two series before they even acknowledged it on the broadcast. I mean, that's any interior offensive lineman. And I and I mean, I mean interior. Like, tackles, I feel like you hear their names more often than not, usually for bad reasons. Sure. But, like... You know, you you're more familiar with who's playing left and right tackle. Um, I would say, you know, people didn't really know about Mitch Morse until that whole botched exchange on the the inch line. That wasn't him. Uh, oh, I I understand that, yeah. but like, but still, he's part of it. You sure. know, um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I I don't know if he's like as. Uh, Mark my words. Okay, you can make an argument mm-hmm. that outside of Josh Allen. He is the most valuable player on this team. Just I, because. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, no, I mean, look, he makes all the calls on the offensive line as to yes. where everybody's going. Yes. He is the guy. He, him and Josh are the only two that touch the ball on every single play. Yeah. He's valuable. For those not familiar, it, the the center, it, like you just mentioned, is responsible for calling out all of the blocking schemes based off of what the the defense lined up inside the tackle boxes is lined up in. So Josh, thanks, Professor all, Ryan. All I'm saying because I think some people may just look at it or either didn't play football or may not be as as like savvy in it. You just think you're just the guy giving him the ball from the center, and you just need to stop the people in front of you, and you have. Four people on both of your sides to help you do that. It's a lot more complex than that. You are calling out the the blocking schemes. You're shifting the line. You're calling out who the middle linebacker is, which dictates the rest of the blocking scheme for everybody else. There is a lot to do there. It's it's just as complex as a middle linebacker position, or arguably as a quarterback reading uh, the the defensive scheme. You go on that rant, and you're just at a second ago. You don't think Mitch Morris is as valuable as everybody else? Okay, so at, from a positional perspective, the center is important. I agree with you there, but I also think Greg Van Roten didn't play horrible as far as the interior line is concerned. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure coming up the middle. There were a couple of snaps that they bobbled. 
Okay, so so that at that point is a fundamental thing, and if you're in, in a, a chemistry thing, I would say, and also if you're getting Ryan Bates back, who is the true backup center, and he's coming back into the lineup, who has more experience with Josh Allen in that exchange, then I'm not as worried about it. Okay, two things: one, we don't know if Ryan Bates, Rick Bates, Fair is going to be good to go on Saturday. Fair two, enough. even if he is, he hasn't. I mean, when's the last time he snapped? He t- he was out on the football field. Yeah, right. Two weeks, right? It's been a while. Ryan Bates? Wait a minute. I'm thinking of Ike Bucker. Yeah, Ike uh, yeah, That's no, who I'm thinking of. Not Ike Bucker. Okay, shut up. Not Ike Bucker. So here's my other dilemma. I mean, you obviously want to get Mitch Moore's back from a competitive standpoint. Sure. But, like, after what we saw happen with Tua earlier this season. Yeah. If he somehow decides or if they somehow clear him and he's good to go. And, again, maybe he is. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to be able to watch those games without every offensive snap thinking about what's going on with Mitch Morse. Yeah, man. And There's... the fear that something horrible is going to happen while he's out there. Yeah. And, and and another thing, too, like you don't see it because not everyone's watching. Most people are not Nobody's watching, watching. The, the offensive and defensive line collisions. But like every single play is a car crash. Yeah. Every single play. So when you say like, oh, how does he have another concussion? Like one, obviously once you get one, you're more susceptible to future concussions. Sure. But when you are absolutely crushing your head in every single play against someone who is just as large as you, just picture two rocks just getting smashed together over and over and over for what? 65 plays a game? Yeah, I don't know, man. This is... <sighs> No matter what happens, it's not good. No, it's it's scary, man. It's it's truly scary. I I, I hope that everything's okay with him, and um, I hope it's not as serious. But yeah, man, it's it's worrisome for sure from a football perspective and from his long term health. All right, let's try and finish on a positive note. Considering this has been a positive podcast up until the end of this, which is you know oh, they always say finish on a bright spot. Sure, uh, we have our family Christmas party on Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah everyone comes over here. Yes, and uh, you're bringing your family over this year. Always. So. Are you going to come for the end of the game, or are you coming after the game is over? That's a good question. I don't. Uh, I haven't really thought about it. Um, like, I mean, we're at Christmas Eve later in the evening. We kind of, you know, go a little late. Mm-hmm. The karaoke machine comes out. You know, where everyone's getting uh, getting turned. We do, yeah, we do karaoke. Mm-hmm. But see, it's like more intense than a regular karaoke machine. It's a legitimate PA system. Highly and more intense. Yeah, we have- in in uh, equipment and in. Um, execution yeah no it gets it gets pretty hardcore which is funny because my wife she's the one that loves this mm-hmm. and she's a terrible singer no she's not that's not nice she's a good singer oh really yeah so you think she could beat you in a sing-off no because i'm an excellent singer i'm an excellent singer yeah, you are a very good singer thank you you're not good at picking haircuts but you're a very good singer hey man hey what did you walk in and say give me every bank robber wig ever please <laughs> god what no I said, please make me uh, like look like this picture that I Googled. And I oh, said, you I'd were like that guy? I, of course I was that guy. Hey, you see this super hot model? <laughs> Ruin it for me. Also make my chin look like his. <laughs> All right, your Buffalo Bills. Three wins. Three. Three more. Five wins from a Super Bowl. Let's go. Come on. His name's Ryan Duffy. My name's Pat Duffy. We appreciate it. We love you. Subscribe, like, leave us a comment. Tell all your friends. Tell your enemies. Yeah. If you don't like the show, tell them this is a really good show. And then make it listen to all hour and a half of this <laughs> crap. Got him. We'll see you next week. And before we go, one more thing, Ryan. Go Bills. Go Bills.